If your family experiences a sudden shift in your circumstances in the midst of a homeschool year, your life together can suddenly become very challenging. Today, homeschooling mom Lena Brown is here to share some great practical lessons about homeschooling through a major transition. Don't go away. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today I'm so happy to have Lena Brown back with us to talk about homeschooling through a major transition. Lena Brown is a traditional Roman Catholic wife of 13 years to her husband Robert and mother of four children, ranging from 2 to 13 years old, three of whom are homeschooled. Lena has a BS in psychology with an emphasis in infant and toddler development. She has worked with parents and children from infancy through eighth grade and has been a mentor and teacher for a teen mom program. Lena and her family have shared their homeschooling experiences in media outlets such as the Associated Press, Fox News Live, and the podcast From the Kitchen Table with Rachel Campos Duffy and Sean Duffy. You can connect with Lena Brown on Facebook, and I've got that link in our show notes. So good to have you back, Lena. Thank you for having me, Lisa. It's a joy. It's so good to see you, and especially since you and your family have kind of been bebopping all over the place and changing locations and figuring things out in the midst of your homeschool year. So could you just tell us a little bit about what happened and set the stage for us? Sure. So September of last year, my husband was laid off from his job. And for months and months, he was looking for work and we were trying to decide what to do. Um, Our lease was coming up due for our apartment. And so we discovered that we needed to move. And so his father said, hey, why don't you come to Detroit? I have a property here that you guys can stay in for free until you get back on your feet. So in the midst of homeschooling, we moved out here in March and we've been homeschooling ever since. Wow. And you guys were in Texas. That's a significant move. You guys really had to haul your whole life across the country. And thanks be to God for family. When family sticks together, man, can it really help us through the rough spots. So take us through some of what the adjustments were like for you. You were, what was it like before? Kind of give us just a sense of how homeschooling had to change into this big transition. Sure. So before our lives were pretty easygoing. We had our schedule set in stone. We loved to go out with friends and have playdates. And so our major transition was that we went from playdates in a very normal routine to having to come to a screeching halt with everything. We had to say goodbye to friends. We had to leave our little bubble of an area that we lived in. Mm. And now we're in Detroit. And so, (laughs) wow. And uh, the thing was, when we got here, um, my father-in-law's house wasn't ready to be lived in. And so we had to stay with the relative for about a month and a half. 
And so our homeschooling <laughs> journey had to kind of come to a screeching halt as well. Um, so we stopped homeschooling for about six weeks until we got the house together. And then finally we started back again and we started very slowly. I think that's one thing I would um, really encourage people to do. Don't feel like you have to do it all right away. Slowly get back into the swing of things once you move through a transition because it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming for you. It's overwhelming for the children. And that's so important to just take that time to just debrief and to um, really look at your new surroundings and see how things are going to fit back in like a a puzzle like before. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have all these needs. You've identified goals for your family. And now your whole environment's different and not necessarily feeding. And I'm I'm sure there was significant stress. Um, we'll, we'll get to some of the, the specific lessons, but just to start us off as anybody who's listening and maybe facing a major transition or nodding their heads and remembering their own, what were some things that you held on to or that your family held on to that kind of kept you in balance for the most part? Or like, like of course, we have the expression, it keeps you sane, right? Um, right. What did you guys reach for? I think one of our biggest things as a family is that we like to travel. We like to do new things together. So in the midst of all the chaos that was going on and getting the house together, we really made that time to um, just do some things with the kids. We explored a new zoo. We explored a new museum. We were able to do some little things that we weren't able to do in Texas and which was a huge blessing because we're in a new environment and the kids were missing their friends. So we were Mm -hmm. able to um, go to a local rec center for free. We found a a good summer program for them. So those things I think um, are important to tap into your resources whenever you're going through a transition. Yeah, it's like you land in this new place and you looked around and you were like, oh, we didn't have that before. Let's go play. Let's go. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So that's a really adventurous attitude. That's, it sounds like you had, because your family likes new adventures and loves to travel, it sounds like you were kind of geared for this, like you had rails to run on. Yes, yes. We aren't strangers to change. That's for sure. We have lived in Detroit before, and then we moved to Texas, and then we moved to Colorado, and then we moved back to Texas, and now we're back in Detroit. So, <laughs> oh wow, we're not we're not uh, we're used to transitions. Yeah, you know, when so. I was a kid, we didn't have cell phones and things like that, and I was in a military family, and we moved around every two to three years. Sometimes I think the longest we ever stayed anywhere was probably four. But um, there was a period of time where I had like best friends or close friends in several different states. And I was sending out six handwritten letters every week for quite a while. Like I was Miss Letter Writer, you know, and uh, that's how we survived. What has helped your kids with the, the friendships they had to leave behind? Has any of that been able to be sustained in any way? Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because they also have pen pals. They have um, 
their own little cell phone that we let them borrow when they go somewhere. So they've gotten their friends' phone numbers and it's cute to see them text their friends and they have a little email group that they all pray for each other. So mm. it's it's been good. It's been good. Best case scenario with all the chaos. Yeah. Yeah, there's such character in what you're saying uh, or how you're saying and I want to just notice that because it's so stressful going through these things that we can we can kind of at least I can get into a pity party when I'm overwhelmed. But it sounds like there's a lot of, as I said, just capability that's built into your family practices and attitudes. Um, what are you noticing in terms of, and we'll get to the lessons from the transition in a moment, um, what are you noticing just in particular? what it's calling out that you're proud of in your kids. Like I heard your, I heard a little bit of mama pride and them keeping in touch with their friends and praying for each other. What else are you saying that gives you hope? I'm really proud of how resilient they are. They've been able to bounce back and do so well in their schooling. I'm just amazed at how wonderful my kids are. It's really amazing to see that they didn't let this move um, discourage them from learning. They're still able to learn. They're still able to bounce back and not only do the work, but they're doing very well. Yeah. And it sounds like needs are being met, that they have yes. a stable base. And I can just see from your demeanor, I've always loved this about you, Lena, too. You exhibit calm and that is calming for others. So that's pretty cool. I'm not saying you're not allowed to have a bad day or that you never lose your temper. I'm not there and and I'm and I'm the queen of that. But uh but there is, you know, you have a quality too that I think probably really helps your kids. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, so we're just going to take a super short break to hear from our sponsors at Homeschool Connections and then we will be right back with Lena Brown. We are talking about homeschooling through a major transition. Hold on just for a few seconds. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast. Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now back to our program. All right, we're back with Lena Brown. We're talking about homeschooling through a major transition. We all have them at some point or something that the family has to adapt to while we're continuing this beautiful adventure of home education. So would you step us into some of the lessons? What are some things maybe, and you can give us the specifics of what they meant to you so that our listeners can start to draw out some of the wisdom you guys gained along the way. One thing that I learned is that you don't have to do it all. We have um, a very, I would say, full curriculum with Seton. Hmm. And we had to tailor it down to just the bare minimum right now. We've got so much going on. So we're doing what's required. We're hmm. leaving the extras to the side. And when we have more time, we'll come back to those things. But um, yeah. I think... You know, just knowing what you're capable of doing at the moment so that you can thrive and do well, I think is really important. Mm, I love that because we we did some seating at one point with our daughter, too. And 
And when I first started homeschooling, I was completely clueless and I was trying to do it all every day. And I ended up in tears on the phone with someone at Seton. And, they were, and the, she was very kind, but she kind of laughed and said, you're actually not supposed to do it all. You're supposed to look at your own child and what your objectives are and pick and choose. And so I love the sanity of that. Like Seton is known for being rigorous. You know, some of these programs are very rigorous and they're very high quality education. But if yes. you're brand new to this, you may not realize, wait a minute, I'm a parent. I'm in the driver's seat here. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and we've spent so much time outside. Here in Michigan, as you know, we get snow. But it's not yeah. snowing right now, so we've been taking advantage of the sunshine and making sure that we spend a lot of time outside. I think that's been helpful for me as well, just taking in some vitamin D, taking in that sun, um, seeing the kids, and they're making new friends now. And so just surrounding ourselves with, you know, good people, and we have more family out here opposed to um, Texas. so. That's been good as well. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. So you are drawing on the extended family. What has helped your kids to make those new relationships? Knowing they've left some relationships, they're going to be moving again. What's helping them to be in relationship where you are now? They just have that go-getter attitude. They see people and they say, hey, I, I want to go play with them. So I encourage mm -hmm. them to just, you know, strike up a conversation with some kids in the neighborhood and they've they've done well they've thrived in that area yeah and you know even as i was asking you that question i was thinking yeah knucklehead they're kids kids just like um automatically make friends don't they they sure do <laughs> i'm thinking like from an adult mind oh oh i have to form new relationships you know Yes. Yes. And that was one of my fears. You know, they've had such a great experience in their homeschooling community out in Texas. I was really fearful that they weren't going to be able to make friends again. You know, um, what is that going to look like in a different state, a different city? This is a whole different kind of atmosphere that we're in. But God made a way. As he always does. And so you know, that that helped me to take a deep breath and say, God is going to take care of our needs no matter what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of those others? And you put your hand on your heart for a moment. For those of you listening on the podcast platforms, what were those other kind of mama clutch your heart moments where you had to depend on God? Well, packing. Mm. Packing is one of my points of anxiety. How am I going to do this? How am I going to put everything into boxes? What should I leave out? You know, um, what should we take? What should we leave behind? That was something that I pondered upon for months and months. If we move, what is this going to be like? And God just made a way with that too. We got um, one of those box kits that has several different sizes of boxes, um, just many boxes that we needed for the household. And so that kind of relieved my anxiety a little bit. And um, I got the kids involved. They helped to pack. Um, so I think that was that was one of the biggest parts of moving 
was just the packing just for some reason is just really anxiety provoking for me. Yeah, well, it's extremely emotional. Apparently moving is other than being born the most stressful thing that we go through. A lot of people get sick during a move because their bodies are so stressed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So not surprising at all. So will the kids make new friends? What am I going to do with all this stuff? How do I organize it? And getting the kids involved and buying a kit that helps you to sort of begin to think about how to sort things. Um, What else? What else helped you kind of move through anxiety to a place of trust? Before we left Texas, I had a really great Catholic therapist. She was awesome. And she really helped me to visualize everything that I was going to be doing. She helped me to visualize a place in my mind where when I'm getting those anxious moments to really have a calm space, I call it my little chapel. Mm. There's a little chapel in my mind somewhere that no one is that's very peaceful just for me. And I take those moments, I take that time and I just really stay there for some time. And, you know, it might be a couple minutes, it might be 15 minutes, but it's something that really helps me to center myself and I can kind of, you know, have a start over, just a starting point. That's mm. really been helpful. Um, she prayed with me often, and that was huge. Um, mm. My family and I now do a weekly rosary. We used to do a daily rosary, but we've had to scale back a little bit, you know. Um, so that's been helpful as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reducing the task list. And I love what you said about entering into a little chapel within yourself. I know that Edith Stein, a.k.a. St. Teresa Benedicta, she was a teacher in a school, and she said she would get up in the morning, go to Mass, and receive Holy Communion, and be in this incredibly peaceful and beautiful place with the Lord. And then her day would kick in. And about mid-morning, she said, she was mad about something. She was frustrated. She was, you know, things were getting on her nerves. And she thought, wow, what happened to that beautiful piece from this morning? So she learned to withdraw into a chapel in her soul. She said that almost exactly what you said, even in the midst of doing things, whether she was teaching or preparing for the next class or whatever it was, she had this sense of moving into that place of silence with the Lord that restored her. That's so important. Yeah. And I also admire that it takes a lot of humility to do something like that. I know I am a little bit of a workaholic and I can be self-sufficient and it's hard for me to pump the brakes and just stop to pray. And so I have to like do big things. I have to leave the house and go to noon mass, right? Like I have to get away from my work and my piles of stuff. And uh, I had a friend say to me recently, a Protestant friend, oh, I love that you make time to go and just sit with the Lord every day. And I was like, you have no idea. <laughs> I'd be a drowning woman if I weren't in that routine. Sure. Like, like, how do we, you know, we all need to find it, right? But it, sure. you have to stop depending on yourself. Yes, everyone has that one thing that they can do to help themselves. Yeah, so I think that's wonderful, Lisa. Yeah, thanks. I, I love that whole thread because our, our, our American culture is very self-sufficient oriented, independent spirited. So what else do we need to touch on to kind of look at the landscape of transition 
and and what it does to your homeschool and and maybe you know some of the struggles and some of the other benefits of going through that experience together else are you thinking of um i would say one struggle was well is our toddler oh our toddler is two lucy is going to be three in a couple weeks and so um (laughs) she's been a joy but she's also been a challenge because <laughs> she wants to do everything that her older siblings do, right? Mm. So <laughs> this has been a transition for her as well. I have to keep in mind, you know, sometimes she asks us when we're going home and why are we in Papa Bobby's house? You know, Aww. so <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been interesting. It's been a challenge. So we've tried to learn new ways to help her through this. And try to do some new things with her as far as um, we call it work, you know, her work. What work can she do? And so yeah. that's that's been fun trying to figure those things out as well. What What are one or two of her kind of favorite work things that she does now? She likes to draw. She likes to play with Play-Doh. Oh. Um, we've had her on PBS Kids and she likes to do little games with Daniel Tiger. And so it's been fun to see her grow up as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love that you call it work. Uh, I can just, like you said, she wants to do what her older siblings are doing. So she wants to do her work. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what else has made your family able to, to feel like a unit? in all of this to, you know, the, the external circumstances kind of break apart and reassemble in the new place, but the family is still the family. Where's that sense of your, your own unit coming through? I would say definitely our nighttime routine. We always make it a point to pray together. Um, I would say mass mass has always been something that is our point of stability no matter what's going on, no matter where we are, we are at mass every single week. We hope to go to daily mass like you, Lisa. That would be wonderful. Um, but right now, we definitely go every Sunday. We love traditional Latin mass. And we're starting to learn more in that as well. And so that has helped us, you know, really, that's really the glue for our family. Yeah, it's amazing how many young families are flocking to the traditional Latin Mass. It is calling to their hearts. I remember taking my daughter when she was a teenager to a Latin Mass, and afterwards she said, Mom, there's just something different about it. You know, she was awestruck. And and I do occasionally go to a Latin Mass, too. My husband and I were on vacation recently, just really, I say vacation. It was an overnight to go out and see some family. But the next day on a Sunday morning, there was a beautiful sung mass in the city where we were. And we went, my husband's not a churchgoer. He's not a believer, but he, we sat through an hour and 20 minutes sung mass and it was solid gold, man. It was like a banquet. Oh, wow. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Just gorgeous. Yeah. It's so good. So touching back to the rituals of your family that are so familiar and life-giving. Novenas are something that we also do. Um, We make a point to learn about a saint and venerate that saint for each day. Um, 
I think just prayer in general is just the glue for us. That has been something that's a point of stability that we've always been able to tap into because God never fails us. Yeah. Amen. I always think whenever I'm talking to a mom about any kind of a struggle the family has been through, and I hear something like that, that the prayer is the glue, I think, wow, the lessons these kids are absorbing that equip them to go out into the world are substantial. Yes. And we always encourage them to offer up any little thing that they do. If they're missing their friends, if they are you know, having some difficulty with this transition, if they're having a hard time with their schoolwork, that's something that they can always offer up. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So lots of graces and and teaching them to walk the walk with carrying our, our crosses. It's so fascinating to me, Lena, because you guys have had all sorts of things you've been through and you you know, you keep looking for solutions and working together and all of that. But I think about how the rest of the world is trying to avoid their crosses, trying to shop their way out of pain or avoid things that are difficult. You know, um, so many families don't make it together because they're not bound in a life of prayer and, and dependency on God. What, sure. what would you say to a family that hasn't yet established the habit of praying together? Start with one little prayer a day. Start with an Our Fathers. Start with an Hail Mary. You know, start somewhere and you'll see a change. You'll definitely see a change. You'll feel it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Love it so much. What other kind of positive effects are you seeing as you've moved through this together? Uh, My husband has really had to rely on me to um, make sure I keep the ship running smoothly. And I've seen a change in him too, because he has had to completely surrender at this time. And I'm so proud of him because he's been looking so hard for work and praying and, you know, just doing everything that he can. And he's been able to um, find another job. And that job is familiar to him because he had this job before COVID hit. And he's able to travel with it, which is something that he loves and something that our family loves to do together. So um, he's been able to rely on me. I'm relying on him in such a different way. And we're able to do this together. Um, We're able to go with him when he travels sometimes. And so it's been a new experience for the kids. Um, It's been a great experience for me. And uh, we got to miss each other a little bit when he's gone, you know, by himself. So it's it's been good. Mm. Yeah, I like that you added that note, because not only are you kind of as a wife coming under his mission, right? That idea of mutual submission out of reference for Christ. He's been on a mission. He's been trying really hard and the family's come together. And here you are keeping the boat steady and allowing him that space to lead the family forward into this new chapter. Yeah, and I love that, too, that it it's when there's a disruption like this, you can start to get some fresh perspectives, right? You have a little separation, a little chance to miss each other and a little chance to feel, you know, what life is like apart, but also 
um, because you're so bonded together in this mission together, uh, there's that experiencing of togetherness at a distance even. It's probably, haven't, haven't had a lot of that since probably maybe when you were dating, you know? Yes, yes. So it's, it's been good to, um, you know, welcome him back when he comes from these long trips. He travels around the country. So, um, you know, just being able to say, hey, I missed you. And then having him take over for a little bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. The passing of the torch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Are there any resources that you discovered along the way, Lena, that, that maybe others might be able to check out or use things that helped you? I always turn to social media because that's my starting point with trying to find community. Um, so I've started with Michigan homeschoolers Facebook group, and then I have a middle school and homeschoolers Facebook group. They've just been really great. There's so many resources there, so many free resources, um, so many different ideas. And I think that is just something that's really helped me throughout this whole journey. Yeah. Say a little bit about how a local social media group can can help you in that sense with resources sure. community building what what are the dynamics of that and how did it help you they help me to find where things are um they help me to find that free resource of the recreational group for the summertime nice um they help me to find different resources as far as in um co-ops and uh you know, just different play dates and groups that are going on within the community that are near me. Wonderful. Wow. Because it's so hard to find people otherwise. Uh, there was a, a substantial network here on Long Island when we moved here and I couldn't find them. That was really before people were really on Facebook. I just happened to talk to someone at church who knew somebody and we got connected. And now we don't have a Facebook group, but there's a gigantic email group and people are always drawing others in. But in a way, it makes sense, you know, to have a public presence like that. So those poor people out there who don't know where to find you uh, can land somewhere, get their yes. questions answered. It's so good. Yes, that's so, been yeah. huge for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we're more the body of Christ. It's a great way to consecrate something to our use of something that's often misused and then use it well. Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. What kinds of resources uh, did you wish you had at the time? Uh, one thing I wish I had was just someone that understood my homeschooling journey. Um, I think I had a bigger presence and acceptance of that in Texas, where I lived. Here in Detroit, um, in Michigan in general, homeschooling is accepted, but it's not necessarily understood yet. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I wish I had a little bit more support as far as that goes. Um, but finding those Facebook groups, I think, you know, really helped me mentally navigate, you know, what I was going through as far as finding community. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. And, and, and that can happen in various ways, right? But boy, 
boy, if you if they've actually got a local group, definitely start there, right? Those are the people who've already navigated every probably pothole that you're encountering. And uh, and often homeschoolers are very generous too with sharing with building each other up. Yes, yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. All right. So when you think about it now, and you think about the road that you've been on, um, what else is, remains to be said about moving with your family through a major transition as homeschoolers? I think one thing I really had to do was to let go. Sometimes I like to be over-organized. I like to kind of, you know, control how things are going to go. But I had to look at what's best for the kids. And so we've been starting school a little bit later. Um, I cut my hair completely it off. It looks great. So, I love thank it. You. It's really, really cute. <laughs> thank you. I, I did that because I wanted to dedicate more time to, to the mission. Um, I didn't want to spend so much time on my hair. It takes, it's a process, you know, it takes a lot of time to take care of hair sometimes. And so yeah. I said, you know what, maybe I'll just cut it. Maybe I'll start over. We're starting over. So it's only natural that I would want to start over as well. Um, yeah. That's been something, honestly, that's been really helpful for me. Yeah. So that I can focus on the kids and really be dedicated to the mission of their education. Yeah, I love that. Just taking away a distraction. And fortunately, you look great with short hair, but oh, I thanks. mean, yeah, but it's true. Like that, it just takes time. And when you're under stress and the kids have deeper needs because they're not in their familiar surroundings, for you to simplify something for yourself, even bodily, to be more present, to be more in the game, less distractions and all of that. And just thinking that everyone listening is going, oh yeah, I think I know what I would do. The one, maybe that one thing that would simplify my life if, I, if my kids really needed me to just be a little more present through a difficult transition. Yes. And I still wear my, I call it my uniform. You know, I have a couple dresses that I kind of cycled through for homeschooling time so that I don't have that Oh, what am I going to wear or um, being in a state of I want to stay in my pajamas and we're going to all, you know, <laughs> we're going to yes. all homeschool in our pajamas. I want to have um, at least for our lives, I want to have some kind of sense of importance. So I make sure that I have some kind of self-care going on and that the kids see that as well. Mm, I love that. It just sets the tone. Yeah, so good. And and you're treating yourself and your children and your homeschool with respect. And I don't mean that I'm not all for on a snowy day doing a sure. you know a homeschool in your pajamas day. Sure. But 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 I hear you. I hear that setting the tone in general to have a routine and a simple routine like those those few dresses. Um, you know, whatever it is the kids know to do in the morning to be ready. Um, I remember years ago, I was studying fashion designer, aspiring to study it at college. And I was taking a course where I was looking at a study on school uniforms. And it turned out that kids who wear school uniforms perform at a higher level. They think better of their schools. They're much more focused. There's all, not all that distraction of 
do I have the cool sneakers? My clothes are not enough, you know, all the latest fashions and that kind of fighting and distraction. And of course, you don't have that in a homeschool, but it just goes to show you how much what you put on your body affects you. Even in places like banks where they all wear, you know, the same clothes, essentially, that increases productivity and focus and morale. There's something sure. to be said for what we put on our bodies. We're costuming in a sense for, for we're, we're setting a bar, setting a standard that really does affect yes. us. Yes, I truly agree with you too. And I think that was my main goal in just, you know, keeping them going, keeping them with the sense of this is really important what I'm doing. And so I make it a point to make sure that when we get up in the morning, we have our routine, everyone gets dressed and we come down to the kitchen table and we do our work. And it's it's been good for us. Um, my kids are getting older, though, and I've noticed that they in their preteen and teen years are needing more sleep. Mm. And so. I've adjusted our schedule so that we start a little bit later and our mornings are easy. Our mornings are, you know, not chaotic anymore. They're not rush, 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 rush anymore. And so I think that's helped them with this transition as well. Just easing into the day instead of, you know, here we go, here we go. We got to go. Um, so I, I think that can be something that's helpful too. just realizing where your kids are. Do you have early risers? Do you have some kids that need to sleep in? Are there changes going on within your children? Just recognizing that through all the chaos, I know sometimes, you know, that can be hard, but to slow down and really notice those things are something that can help you along your transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really neat. I, I read an article years ago when my daughter was pre-high school. She's post-college now. But um, and I remember it said that typically public school kids, even private school kids, once they get to the high school age, you know, the early and mid-teens, mid and late teens, they suddenly need more sleep. So what does the school district do? The bus shows up at 6.30 in the morning. They're in school till 2.30 in the afternoon, plus extracurriculars and several hours worth of homework. And most of them are not getting to bed until 11, 12, sometimes 1 o'clock in the morning, and then they're back at it with the 6.30 bus. That affects their cognitive function profoundly, not to mention their health. And yes. so just staying flexible. If we were brought up going to public schools, which I was, when I first started homeschooling, guess what? We saluted the flag, we sat at the table, we took breaks, but it was very much like school. And so it took some time to shake that off and go, wow, what's best for my child now? Yes. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Lisa, because I'm at the point where we've been homeschooling for almost four years now, and I didn't give myself that chance. I didn't give the kids that chance to unschool, to de-school to really look at mm. what could we really do to maximize this time together. I only have a few short years with them, with their education. And I don't want it to look like public school. I don't want it to look like, okay, you got to sit down. You got to do this thing. I want it to look different than it, than it looks right now. I know that's my goal. Um, 
But like I said in the beginning, you know, we're just kind of doing the bare minimum just to get through, just to keep the routine. And so we're at a point where we're we're trudging through it. You know, we're in the trenches, we're in, <laughs> we're in the mud. So um, it's been challenging, but I see the finish line and I see that after this transition, we're going to be golden and we're going to be in a place where they're going to absolutely love what they're learning because they're going to be choosing it and they're going to be doing things that they're interested in. We've already been talking about what is the next school year going to be like? We're still in our, I guess you would say previous school year. Um, And so they've been telling me things that they're interested in. I have one that wants to do coding. I have one that wants to do Spanish. Um, Somebody's mentioned chess, you know. So I'm really excited to see what they're going to do in this next school year as far as what they want to learn and what they're passionate about. We've been talking about careers. What do they want to do when they grow up? And Mm. they're so passionate about it. So I can't wait to tap into that. Oh my gosh. That's so hopeful. All right. So just a final thought, Lena, anything else you'd like to say to the moms, dads, grandpas, and grandmas out there that are educating the kids and might be faced with a big change or going through something right now? Just remember to stay prayerful. Just remember to stay present. Um, you know, really tap into your resources and uh, pray for each other. Pray for me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody pray for Lena and her family right now because they are still in transition. Yes, we're getting ready to move again pretty soon here. So, um, we're going to definitely need those prayers. Mm, yeah. And I well, appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Well, Godspeed, my friend. Everybody, I'll put some more links to previous talks with Lena Brown in the show notes. Always good to have you, Lena. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much, Lisa. Yeah. All right, everybody. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And thanks for being with us. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.